Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Welcome back to the Modern Mommy Talk podcast. I am so thrilled today to be joined by my guest, author Tara Clark. She is a social media influencer and also the author of a new book coming out at the end of April, April 19th, called Modern Mom Probs, a survival guide for 21st century mothers. Welcome, Tara. Thank you so much for having me, Whitney. Yeah, absolutely. So, I want to hear first before we get into the book. I want to hear just about Modern Mom Probs, the Instagram account, and you and Modern Mom Probs, and kind of how it began to be. Because I mean, you have like six hundred thousand plus followers, so people clearly are like very, very into it. So tell me how it started, what the story was, and then what I really want to hear from you is what you think keeps keeps people coming back to it because I have a few thoughts myself, things that I think are amazing about it, but I want to hear from you kind of about why that community keeps on building. Sure. Um, All excellent questions. So I'll just jump into it. I started the account back in 2016 um, when I lived in New York City. And I started it sort of as a way of lampooning city life because living in Manhattan is different from living in the suburbs. And I sort of was dealing with like different mommy issues, right? Or like mom probs, right? So I started the account and then we moved out of the city to the suburbs. And I had this like existential crisis that like I wasn't having those same NYC mom probs. And so I was having new mom probs. And so I needed to come up with a new adjective to change my my Instagram name to. And so my girlfriend and I, uh, Angela, she's Mommy Wine Time, and she and I were like, well, what could we do when we were like funny mom probs? And we were like running through a list of all different kind of like adjectives. And I thought, what about modern mom probs? And she's like, yeah, that's really good. So just like overnight, I like flicked a switch, changed the name, and then it just grew from there. Because I think really at the crux of it is that so many people – not struggle, maybe I'll use the word struggle, uh, experience is probably the word. So many people experience modern mom probs, right? And so with you as like the modern mommy doc, right? Like you knew that there was a special uh, something about that word modern. And so like I said, the account really just took off from there. And like, without really even having to tell somebody what the account is about, like that name really sort of speaks for itself, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think it really just took off from there. Yeah. And it's this mix, right? Of funny and very sincere things. And very much like, I think I saw one this morning that was like your birthday when you're 21. It was like a picture of, I think it looked like Beyonce. And then it's like your picture when you're, your birthday when you're 40 and it's someone in a Snuggie. <laughs> yes. That's because yesterday was my 41st birthday. And so oh, okay. that's, that was, I was, you know, that was art imitating real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which so often is what happens. And I think um, 
it's really interesting. I'm this um I'm this huge fan of like celebrity documentaries. I'm constantly watching like Bieber and Demi Lovato. That one came out last night when we're recording this. Came out last night. And I was so like so excited. My husband's like, "You need to calm down." I go, "No, I love it because it's very much when you watch the documentary, it's like you're seeing the real life of these people kind of behind the stage." And I think that for so many of us, modern mother or motherhood for a lot of generations was this like curated, very like, you know, picture of like the Madonna mom, you know, or picture of like the mom in the suburbs with her like two babies on her hips, totally smiling and looking perfectly thin and amazing. And I think people are just craving that realism. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that we're now part of a generation who can talk about this realism, right? Like we're not just going to like shove down any negative feelings that we have just to put on a smiley, happy face and just kind of like push through, you know? And so I think it's so important that we're able to talk about that. And that's what I think also like makes my Instagram account special is that we like to normalize those conversations. So Mm -hmm. as much as it is humor. I also do try to put a lot of empowering and uplifting and normalizing conversations. And so I think it's, it's a really nice balance of the two. Yeah. And then people contribute on your website as well, right? That is correct. Yes. With individual blogs. Did it start as just you or did it start with, was it always a collaboration of multiple people, like where they could just submit stuff? Um, no, it always was just me. It still continues really just to be me. And so sometimes people will come to me and be like, wow, Tara, like, that's really exciting. I'm like, you realize that I'm just a woman in her leggings sitting at her kitchen table, right? That's, that's who I am. That's what I'm doing right now. Um, but in, in all seriousness, yes. Um, the account just started as me. And then when I had the idea, um, to put out the blog, which really is actually in its infancy right now. I'm really just in the process of launching the blog. I wanted that to be more of a contributor site. So Mm -hmm. I I want to feature other people's voices and other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. Which I think is, I think it's cool because I think that is the rad thing about being on social media or on, you know, just on what, the web, the world wide web. The interwebs. (laughs) The interwebs is that, so many, so many of us have been isolated, especially this year. And I also think the thing we're craving is community, right? Like people mm-hmm. to share and say, yes, I'm having that exact same experience as you, or mm-hmm. I see myself in that problem. Or, um, you know, I, I, I'm not alone. There's other people that are there for me in a time when right now this year, COVID, of course, we're especially isolated, but I think just modern motherhood, we're pretty isolated compared no, to we, moms before. I agree 100% with because that's really why I started the account in the first place. When I was living in New York City, my son was little. We didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't have a lot of mommy friends. Like, And so I was looking for a way to reach out to other people. And it was a creative outlet to be able to reach out to other people and talk about experiences. And, and at that point, it was really more fa- um, focused on jokes than it was even the uplifting stuff that sort of came that evolved into it. But we wanted, I wanted a way to, to make friends. And so how, I was like, how can I make friends? And I just started an Instagram account. And then the friends kind of came after that. And now you have 600,000 plus friends. Now I have 600,000 friends, exactly. But I I really do have to say that some of my absolute closest friends in the world are friends that I've made through Instagram. 
friends that I visited in Arizona several times, friends that I talk to when I'm having a bad day, friends that are my absolute go-tos for anything creative or mommy-related or just life-related. And so it's so amazing that we have such a phenomenal community of, of women, and I because I, I was about to say women, but I want to say people because there are dads in there too. And then there are also childless people. So like sure. it really sort of runs the gamut. It's not just necessarily parents, but we have such a, an amazing community and, and I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about the podcast actually, especially because I get to talk to these people, some of whom I'm in total awe of. Like, I can't believe Ken Ginsburg knows my name, you know, um, who wrote Raising Kids to Thrive or um, people like Tina Payne Bryson, right? Who are just like, I'm here. No one can see my hands. I'm like down here and they're like way up here. And I feel blessed that they've like given me two seconds of their time. Um, but also just to to hear from other people and to learn in real time from them. But then also to feel like, yeah, I have people I can count on who totally are in the same space as me. And I agree, people who have become actual true true friends. Um, I want to hear about the book. So you have the, you have the account, you have the blog that you're kind of starting. And then what made you say, I need to put something like pen to paper in an actual, someone can tangibly hold it format. Yeah, sure. It was actually my friend Mary's idea. So Mary is one of my best friends in the world. She happens to live right down the street from me. She is the illustrator who illustrates all of those memes that you see. And um, one day she said, you know, Tara, if Instagram went away tomorrow, well, then like what would happen to our work? Like where would it go? It would literally just disappear. And I said, that's a really good point, Mare. So we started thinking about maybe making like a coffee table book or something like that of, of the memes and the illustrations. Simultaneous to that, I was featured in a local magazine and a book editor reached out to me and said, hey, have you ever considered writing a book? And I said, well, frankly, no. I mean, I hadn't and we were starting to think about a coffee table book, blah, blah, blah. And so he said, uh, no, I think this could be a book. And I was like, all right, cool. So he hooked me up with his literary agent. She shopped the book proposal around right in the height of the pandemic last, it was like a year ago right now. And so most of the publishers were like, no, 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 the stores are closed, Barnes and Noble is closed. It was like the worst possible time to be pitching a book proposal. But one publisher said yes, Post Hill Press, thank you to them. And uh, they said, let's let's do it. This sounds like a great idea. So um, I had the entire pandemic summer last year of 2020. Um, I had six weeks to write the book from start to finish. And um, it was really challenging because over the summer, there was no camp. So like my son was home. I have an eight-year-old son. He was home with us every day. And so I was like throwing him snacks and putting on a TV show for him while I was like trying to write. And it was like, prime, prime pandemic parenting right there, writing a book about parenting, right? Like, it was too crazy. So <laughs> that's, um, that's always the worst. We're like, I'm on a plane. And that's usually where I do a lot of my writing. Like if I'm on a plane, or if I'm on a whatever, or in a car, and I'm like, literally like writing about like, you know, and then this special moment with my child. And they're like, I hate you. You're the worst mom in the world. <laughs> like behind my ear, I'm like, ah, just delete, you know? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. That was like, really, I, I think like the single most ironic thing was like, trying to balance being a good parent, while giving advice about being a good parent. <laughs> so um, 
yeah, that was a unique experience. And so I, I submitted the the manuscript in August. And, and like you said earlier, the book is coming out in April. And so that was it. So the book itself breaks down 99 modern mom probs. So we say, I got 99 problems, but motherhood ain't one. And so I take you through 99 different things. And 99 topics is a lot of topics. Mm-hmm. So uh, it covers everything from funny things, like where you can get the best chicken nuggets, or um, how to clip your baby's fingernails, what's the right way to swaddle, different things like that, to much more serious things like maternal mental health and um, nursing and um, advocating for your child and the mental load of motherhood. It covers the gamut. Like, Like I said, 99 problems, a lot of problems, but they're not all serious and they're not all funny. And so it the book has like a nice cadence to it where, you know, one funny chapter, one serious chapter, or, you know, like it's not all, all or nothing. And so I like to tell people too, that the book is really the analog version of my Instagram page. So if you could like take my Instagram page and like squeeze it down and push it down and put it into a book, that's what this is. Yeah. And how did you pick the problems? Was it based off what your followers' reactions have been to what the posts were or what was the most resonating with them? Or was it things that were most important to you? How, how did that come about? It's a good question. For one, 99 of anything is a lot of stuff, just in general, right? So because I've been doing this now for five years, I feel like I really have my finger on the pulse of what modern mom culture is, right? Like I sometimes jokingly call myself like a modern mom culture expert because I see what people are talking about. I know what resonates with people. And so, yes, to answer your question, it was what I know resonates with people based upon what the posts are, what the conversations are and those things. Then you take those most important things and then you realize, oh man, I have 70 more to go. (laughs) And then and then you start to fill it yeah. in with different things, you know, whether it's chicken nuggets or coffee or whatever it happens to be. And so that's, like I said, some are serious, some are not. But I mean, I tackle a lot of things. I talk about allyship. I talk about racial justice, you know, like it is a lot of different topics. My Yesterday, I was recording my audible version of the book and my director um she read the book and she's like, oh, it's a lovely thing. You know, like, you know, best of luck. And I was like, thanks. And she said, the one thing you didn't mention is how sad it is to drop your children off at college because I guess her daughter is going to college in the fall. And so she's already like mentally preparing for it. And um, I said, yes, that's like the only thing I don't really cover teenagers. I sort of cover, you know, from like pregnancy to maybe like age 10, give or Mm -hmm. take anything after that. I say that's a different book entirely. Well, and it makes sense. I mean, your experience, if you have an eight-year-old, that's the experience that you're living. And also, honestly, as a pediatrician, I would say it it really is separate. Your problems are completely different. Some some the same. Some of those core things of like, you know, I want my child to not be a complete jerk to every other person on the planet. Um, Those things are still the same. Uh, But but yeah, when they become a teenager and are taking flight into the world, those are different things that you're thinking about, I think, as a parent, as opposed to the chicken nuggets, right? You're over, you're over that. And 
my gosh, I hope like I'm gonna put my hands together in prayer that I'm also like beyond thinking about leggings by the time my kid goes to high school. <laughs> but it'd be fine. I actually love leggings. And I heard actually there's a whole is there there's a whole section on leggings, right? There is an entire section on leggings. I, I talk about mom uniform. And again, this doesn't apply to every single mom across the board. It's more of a trope. But mm-hmm. um, I do talk about leggings. I even have, you're going to laugh about this one, Wit. I, I have a legging collection coming out with a leggings company that has my memes on the leggings. Isn't yes, that cool? ma'am. I love it. Isn't that wild? <laughs> it blew my mind when, um, when, that, when I saw the photos of like the mock-ups for them. I was like, oh my goodness, those are my words and our art on leggings. And it's awesome. That's cool. Okay, so what defines the perfect legging then? I think the perfect legging, and it's funny, in the book, I say that I have an honorary degree. I think I say I have an honorary doctorate in legging design. And this was like way predates ever having some sort of like legging line collaboration. So it was mm-hmm. sort of, uh, it was sort of funny. But I going back to your question, I think it has a lot to do with the balance between the right stretch and the right comfort. You don't want anything that's too stretchy where that it's like too tight and compressing versus something that's too soft or not soft enough. So I think it's a matter of balancing the softness with the stretchiness. Yes. I have some leggings that I just decide, like I have them in my drawer and I never pick them. Me too. Because I don't have that same. same. And then there's some that I wear if I'm wearing it with like a shirt, but I would never wear it to exercise because it rides down or I'm on the Peloton bike and I got to like hike them up. Totally. It, it, mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. There's different situations for them. Yes. Yes. The, no, that's absolutely true though. Like some, you know, that you can wear with, you know, boots and like little booties or something and they look adorable. There's other ones. It also has to do with like where they hit on your ankle. And like yes. how they hit on your ankle, because like some of them are too tight and some of them are too loose. And so yes. that also goes into it. Well, I'm glad we have an expert who's going to be creating something that will actually be useful for moms in this area. That's very important. Okay, <laughs> let's go back, though, to the six week thing. Why on earth did it have to be so fast? Did they say it's because they want it to be COVID related? Were there COVID topics? Um, I do mention COVID. So when I sat down to write it, my first thought was, and I and I say this in the introduction of the of the book, you know, is it tone deaf to be writing this this book about modern mom culture when our culture is now so shifted, you know, and right. when you're thinking about what June and July 2020 looked like, it was so vastly different from what June and July of 2019 looked like. And so I sort of ask those questions of like, you know, is it tone deaf? And I say, no, I, I don't think so, because as mothers, we're always optimistic. Being optimistic is is part of who we are. It's part of who you are as a parent, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so like you know, I forged ahead, and they the publisher really wanted it for Mother's Day of 2021, and so that's what it was. So it all revolved around hitting Mother's Day of this year. It's coming. Our new book will be here before you know it. The Working Mom Blueprint comes out May 11th, 2021. We hope you'll grab your copy. It's available for pre-order right now at amazon.com and it will be available May 11th wherever books are sold. You know, I have two books, one about new babies and another one Mm -hmm. coming out about working moms in Mm -hmm. May. And 
writing a book is such a hurry up and wait game. It's like a, it's like being at the airport where they're like, go through the TSA security, hurry it up, ma'am, get your shoes off. The next person's behind you. And then you just sit there at the, at the gate for an hour and wait for the plane to come. And, um, there are moments where my publisher would come back to me and be like, I need this. Uh, I realize that it's Labor Day weekend. I need this on Tuesday. <laughs> I'm like, but I had plans, you know? <laughs> like, uh, so I just wondered if it was like that, but that makes total sense. It is about Mother's Day and making sure that it kind of fit with that time time frame. That's exactly what it was. So like I said, I, I got the book deal, I think it might have been, you know, May. And then yeah. my um, manuscript was due mid-August. And so we just grind. I say we, but I, I just grind it. I say we because my husband, who was also like home during the time, I'd be like, read this paragraph. Does this make sense? How would you say that? And so he was like my go-to. Um, thank God for him because yeah. it would have been really challenging to have you know, only that six week deadline to not have, you know, him to bounce ideas off of. Um, but luckily, luckily he was home. He's a doctor as well. So he wasn't, um, they weren't running in the OR. So he was able to be home. Yeah. Well, and honestly, sometimes it's nice to have someone who's not even in the mom space, obviously he's a parent, but who's not in the mom space to be able to give you feedback, like just as like a person, does this sound crazy? Or does this sound like, it sounds good and it makes sense. And I didn't completely have a non sequitur here. And Yes. And I need that very much because inherently I'm not necessarily a writer. I'm more of like a short form quippy writer, but not a 200 page book writer. And mm-hmm. he, um, as a physician is very big into research. He has several textbooks. And so I knew that I would be able to go to him as someone who has produced many books and say like, you know, how would you do this? And how would you do that? And then he even helped me think through, my book has a lot of sort of pseudoscience charts and pie graphs and scatter plots and stuff like that. And so he would help me think through what some of those scatter plots would look like. And he would say like, okay, you would see this in this book and here's how it would be and this and that. And I mean, some of them I had to almost like talk down because they were almost like too scientific. And I said, think about who's reading this. They, I mean, right. if I could hardly understand what you're saying, no one else is going to. And these were topics about like, you know, pretzels or snacks or, you know, like eating chicken. Right. Like one had to do with, I'm trying to think like briefly off the top of my head. I think one had to do with the amount of time that you take to make a meal most being Thanksgiving dinner, shortest being pretzels, your child would then automatically go towards what takes the shortest amount of time, which is the pretzels. But sure. the way that we had it in this chart was just like so above like and an inverse graph. <laughs> it, well, it was it was like yes. so above and beyond. And like I said, like some are some of the scatter plots we kept, some of the other ones we kept. There was one with like some sort of threshold. Uh, it was it was it was a lie. So we gotta bring it back. Yeah. Well, you said pseudoscience, but I know that you actually had some experts that helped with several of the topics as well. What were the topics you felt like you needed someone else to come in and give a little bit of guidance so that we make sure, even as we're joking with moms, that the information we're giving them was accurate and credible? Yes. I had several um, psychologists and psychiatrists um, offer suggestions about um, setting boundaries, how to handle tantrums, how to, when I said setting boundaries, I mean like setting boundaries around screen time, because it's very important to set boundaries around screen time. So that was one, how to handle tantrums was another. Another one was about um, uh, diet and exercise, right? Nutrition. 
Um, I interviewed um, a mother who um, has biracial children. So we talked about um, having a biracial family. And so because I couldn't speak to that myself, I knew that I wanted to, to um, grab a friend of mine and Erin helped me out with that, which was wonderful. So anything that I found that was out of my depth, I reached out for professional help. Yeah. You call it a survival guide, which I think is really apropos given this year, but then also just how motherhood feels sometimes. Like it's just about, you know, sometimes just about survival. Though at the same time, I love the Jay-Z reference and the like 99 problems, but you know, a parent headache one or being a mom ate one. Because I go around a lot of times as as I'm complaining about stuff that happened with my kids or as I'm telling funny stories or even on Modern Mommy Doc and say like, you know, this is like first world problem, you know, there's real problems and then there's first world problems. And so the chicken nuggets obviously is that like first world survival guide. It doesn't matter one bit what chicken nugget you give, but it's funny to put it in there. At the end of the day, after you'd written all the sections and gone through all the problems, what were the problems, maybe just even one or two, that you felt like, I'm so excited that when someone picks up this book and they get through all the jokes and all the memes and all that, that they'll learn this or they'll find validation in this one solution that I offered them? I love that you mentioned about the first world problems, because that's like the first thing that I write in the preface of the book is that I say, these are first world problems. We're not going to sit down and, and solve all of the world's challenges right here today. Um, and so I definitely give that that caveat because that's really how the whole account started was sort of, you know, modern mom problems are first world problems. And we're lucky enough to have those. Right. So mm-hmm. so thank goodness for that. Um, but the chapters that I'm proudest of are definitely the ones where I talk about the mental load of motherhood, uh, crushing work-life balance, because in that chapter specifically, I speak about getting rid of the notion of work-life balance, because Mm -hmm. the word balance inherently means that something will be thrown off of balance, right? Mm -hmm. So I speak about the importance of being effective as a mother, uh, a business owner, a physician, a spouse, whatever it happens to be. So like that day, how can you be the most effective in that role that you're that you're pursuing? And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things I'm, I'm most happy about. So not the jokes necessarily. Yeah, the jokes are, are nice and cute. But the things where I talk about like the meatier stuff, you know, like the heavier stuff, I, I feel um, most proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's so true. That's true for me too. Like on my account, I'll see you know, 1200 people laugh at me saying, I told my daughter that the parks, sorry, that the park is like closed and definitely like we can't go today. You know, like everybody, everybody loves that. But I see that as more of a gate that opens the door for somebody or like a fence. And then there's a gate and it, it, it the door that people walk through to be able to then get to the meteor stuff that actually really matters that says exactly what you're saying. There is no way that you can juggle all day long and have a ball not fall. It will. So it'll be the stuff with your with your kids or it'll be the stuff with work or it'll be you personally. It has to be that you have a framework that allows you to kind of like push in when you need to, pull back when you need to, decide what's my priority for this moment, for this day. And then I think at the end of the day, also to be knowing yourself well enough to make those decisions of, is this about me being effective or is it about me 
meeting someone else's expectations or about me pleasing somebody else or about me just showing up or about what the world and kind of society tells us it means to be a good worker or a good parent. Mm-hmm. I agree a hundred percent. I, I, the first chapter of the book is called, like I said, they're all numbered by probs, but prob one is called great expectations. And right there, I talk about how important it is to manage your expectations as a parent, uh, manage your expectations of yourself, of your child, of your marriage, of all of those things, because it's so important that you're not trying to live up to, you know, society's expectations of you and what you think the perfect mother is in all of those things, because you're going to be set up to fail eventually. Mm-hmm. And and one time I had posted a meme about, um, it was actually an excerpt from the book um, talking about the the lower expectations. And most people loved it. They were like, absolutely. I totally agree. And then there was like a small subset of people who were like, no, you should never lower your expectations of X, Y, and Z of your spouse and of yourself. And I feel like I'm not sure if they missed the boat on that or if they just genuinely believe it. I'm not really sure. But the thing is, is that I wasn't saying like, oh, lower your expectations so your husband like just sleeps on the couch all day. Like right. <laughs> that's not that's not what it is. And like, you know, my husband is is a real go-getter. I mean, we talked about him earlier in this conversation. And so it's not that I lower my expectations of him because I don't think that he's he's a real go-getter. It's like, no, I, I can't hold him up on such a standard all the time for every single thing because I don't want to then always be disappointed in certain things in life. And so I think the managing the expectations has to do with, you know, managing your disappointment, right? And so I think that's important even for, for kids. Every day can't be, oh, we're going to go to Disney World. It, it just it just can't be. And then even on those days where you do go to Disney World, guess what? You have to manage those expectations because if you in your mind you think this is going to be the best day ever, guess what? Have you been to Disney World with kids? Do you know what it's like to go to Disney World with kids all day long? It sounds horrible. I've been to Disneyland and that was enough. Disney World, I'm sure, would be at a whole other level. <laughs> no, same thing. I, I've been to both. I mean, I live closer to Disney World, but I have been. To- Disneyland. And the thing is this, like, you can't grind all day, like how you want to as a 30 year old woman, like, yeah, you can grind at Disney World all day. Guess who can't? Three year olds, right? They can only do a little bit. And it's magical. And it's wonderful. And it's so special. But you can't make them do it for 12 hours. And so that's managing an expectation, right? I think just going when you when you plan vacations with children, just take your expectations down a notch. You know, not everything is going to be that perfect Pinterest family portrait on the beach, toes in the sand kind of thing. It's just not always that case. Yeah, no, I I actually think that you're right. I think there are some people who genuinely believe in this, like, no, keep this standard up here. And I think in part that comes from this whole, like, lean in mentality, which I nothing against all of the women who came before us who were like hardcore career people. I want that C-suite. I am like going for it. Right. But I think that there has to be some buffering of that message for all of us in terms of our professional lives. And then also for our lives, when we think about ourselves as moms and with our kids, that when we set ourselves up to have to be perfect really is what we're talking about in all aspects of our lives or to constantly appear perfect 
we are going to fail and that usually will actually fall harder than if we just expected that we might have a few problems, mom probs along the way. <laughs> exactly. We might just happen to come across some modern mom probs along the way. It's true. You're like, if you're setting yourself up for, for perfection, guess what? You will never one will never hit perfection because it's unattainable, right? And so if those people are saying like, no, you you shouldn't um, lower your expectations. I'm not saying things like, oh, I don't expect my kid to graduate high school and then college and get a graduate degree and go to medical school. I do. Guess what? My son is going to follow in his father's footsteps and do all of those things. I am not lowering my expectations, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. That's Actually, awesome. My kid wants to be a barista. So, hey, you go for it. No, I'm, I'm totally playing. You know what my son actually wants to do? He wants to be a YouTuber. He used to say he wanted to be a doctor, but now if you ask him, he wants to be a YouTuber. So that's where he's at right now. He's following in your footsteps. <laughs> yeah, I would rather him go to medical school. So we'll see. What happens. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, the funny thing is, I mean, if you talk about like a sense of happiness and stuff, it's like, I love what I do. What I'm doing is what I always had intended to do. But like the technology didn't exist back then. Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. I went to college, I went to graduate school, I have my MBA in media management. When I was a kid, I would make like, you know, fake radio shows and all of that kind of stuff by myself. And so now here we are, you know, 30 years later, and the technology sort of like caught up to what I wanted to do when I was young anyway. And so I am living my own sort of dream. In yeah, my, in I, my love imagination. I love it. Which basically comes down to like, what is the number one mom prob that people need to, modern mom prob? It's finding things that bring us joy and contentment and satisfaction and peace and to make us feel less overwhelmed at the end of the day. Tara, it was so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. You guys go run out and get Modern Mom Probs, a survival guide for 21st century mothers. It's out at the end of April. We hope that you go get it. You can pre-order it now too. So um, go check it out. Thank you again, Tara, for being here. Thank you so much for having me with. This was a blast. Mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Dog podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Dog. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.